given us provision from which we can feed from. As we turn to our Bibles this morning, I'll ask you to go to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 32, Deuteronomy 32, we'll read from verse 7, and this will be a continuation of thoughts that I've been on. And uh, sometimes I like to be on that because it keeps the focus, and there's so much in God's Word that we sometimes just need to take a little time to go through it, and so we're doing that further today. Deuteronomy 32, verse 7, as Moses is speaking, remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask thy father, and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. We'll carry a little further here. He found him in a desert land and in the waste, howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, and beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him. And there was no strange God with him. Amen. First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two, we will read from verse four. <clears throat> to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men but chosen of God and precious. Now that stone that he's talking about is the cornerstone, it's the headstone, which is Christ, the beginning, the end. He is the stone. He is the rock that we're leaning on. But now Peter makes this distinction. Now you also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll stop the reading there. Keep your finger in the scripture. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to have your word, Lord, and not just the word in letter form, but Lord, the word that's been opened to our understanding, the word that is in season, 
throughout your great plan of redemption for the age that we're living in. Lord, we're thankful that we can look with open eyes. Blessed are our eyes, for they see. Lord, blessed are our ears, for they hear. Lord, may we not take it carnally. May we not just take it superficially. But may we be grateful this morning. And may we draw from this, Lord, as we sang the song, Lord, feed your children. Lord, that ability does not lie in man, but that ability is only through Christ. You are the one that gives us the bread of life. You are the one that feeds our souls. Lord, we're asking you this morning, feed us. Give us food for the journey. Bless everyone that's here. Bless those that are traveling. Be with us this day as we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. I will just refer to the scripture, so keep your Bible there. The Lord's portion is his people. I'd like to speak today on anointed kings and priests. In verse 6 now, Paul just, or sorry, Peter just continuing on. Wherefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed." Now, Paul just takes those, or Peter takes those few verses, but now he goes back to the thought from verse 5. But you, so there's people that will read what we're reading and will stumble at it. They will not see themselves. They will not find their place in it. But we're looking this morning to see not only Christ, but ourselves in Christ. So he says, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let me just continue, verse 10. Which in times past were not a people, but now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. It's wonderful to see that, but now I want to just carry this over a little further. But to see that, what should we then do? How should we act? How should we conduct ourselves? Verse Verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. There's more we could carry on, but we'll stop there. One more scripture, Revelations 5. Revelations 5, verse Eight. Now, I, we often read and we know that 
part of the ministry of Malachi 4. The messenger of Malachi 4 was to do two things. One which is to, to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers, but two, to be, be that which would um, unfold the thunders which would, would, would give rapturing faith to a people. There's a quote for it, and I'm not going to try and repeat it because it's not coming to me as clean as I'd like right now. So it, 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 it's one thing to see the, the time. We believe Revelations 5 is a time that has been fulfilled and being fulfilled in the age we live in. And it's about the, the book. So in verse, in verse 7, it says, One came out of came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Verse 8. Now, once this happened, something reciprocates. And they sung a new song, saying... Thou art worthy to take the book. The age that we live in, it's not us exalting ourselves by by what we've done, but by what he has done. Oh God, with grace, we're so grateful for what you've done for us. And they sung a song saying, You are worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Oh my, what a, what a time. We, we recognize what he has done for us, what he is doing for us. He is bringing us back to our inheritance. He's bringing us back to the place that he had for us in the mind of God through the plan of redemption, and we're a part of it. So I, I, I will, we'll just use that to springboard today. <coughs> so as we minister the word, and we need the word to be ministered to us on a daily basis. A minister needs it. Every one of us needs it. It's an age of self. It's an age of focus around I. It's around the flesh realm. You know, when, when, when Paul would speak to Timothy in the last days, perilous times would come. You would think he would speak about earthquakes and wars and famines, and those things are part of it. But he actually talks about the conduct of the people and the spirit world that we live in, and how they would not be lovers of God, but rather lovers of selves. And, and, and that's the perilous time that we live in. That's the world that's around us continually. And by that reason, we need to be consecrated. We need to be continually in fellowship with God in prayer, and we need to be in the Word. So the, there's so much given to the natural man, but we need to allow the, the natural man to be built up through the inside, through the spirit man. So God said he would call a people for his namesake. And so in other words, they were going to be dedicated to him. The church, as it's called, the church is the called out, the separated. They will be a peculiar people. They will be zealous of good works. 
Let's turn to Titus. I'll, I'll use some scriptures. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, reading from verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Brother Marion sang the song, Day Star, shine upon us. We are reflectors of something from another dimension, from another realm. We're not trying to manufacture it, but there's something inside of us. So now we, because that's inside of us, it, it presents a conduct. Looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Because he has come to us, because he has appeared to us, because he's revealing himself to us. And, and, and wherever we are in that process, we know it, it, it takes a new birth. And the birth is not a one-step thing. Sometimes it, it can take time. But wherever you are in that process, you've got to give yourself to it. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to keep working with you. Don't stop at the tank if you're baptized. There can be a lot of pressure to be baptized, and we know that's a part of it, but the baptism itself, what you do by going in the tank, is the reflection of God dealing with you. And you don't stop at the tank. You, you keep giving yourself. Now, Lord, I've done that. Now, Lord, I'm, I'm allowing you to work with me, purify me, sanctify me, take the world from me. And not only that, but Lord, fill me with your spirit. Change my desires. It's a wonderful thing that God sanctifies you. But if, if you allow that, if you slip from that, and, and, and you just, you, you can so easily in this age, you can be serving God, but you give yourself just to a little bit of worldly influence, and it just is so quick, you're on a downward spiral. It takes something else. It takes the Spirit of God within. That's your North Star. That's your absolute. That's the thing that, that's your radar. That, you know, when, when, when something questionable happens, He speaks to you. It's not your memory. It's not your thoughts, but it's Him. He lives inside of us. Zealous of good works. Let's just turn over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul is talking here about the temple of the living God that sort of reciprocates what Peter was talking about in 2 Peter. Now Paul would say in verse 14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now it's one thing to be around unbelievers and you can't help that. But now when it says being yoked, being coming together and, and having strings attached and, and having those things, Paul said, don't do that. 
don't be yoked with those things. Don't, it's unequal. He says, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and communion, and what communion has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? What part has he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, wherefore, now he goes right back to being unequally, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not any unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, I, I believe these things need to be preached. I believe that we need to know what our conduct should be. Because the devil is a master manipulator. He will cause us to see things as wishy-washy. And it's not so bad. It's not so bad to do this or to do that. But the more you're in the word, the more you're in it, the more the spirit in you draws you and separates you. I don't know, it, it, sometimes you, you might walk and, and all of us walk. Sometimes there are times when we go through the motions. There's times when we don't feel God is close. And there's times we find ourselves and, 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 and there's some slippage. You know, we're, you're with believers or you're with unbelievers and you're at work and somebody tells a, a joke and maybe you find yourself, it's a little on the wrong side, and you found yourself laughing at it. And I said, Lord, how could I ever do that? And, 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 and you find yourself being pulled by those things. There has to be a place where you come back and say, no, Lord, I'm yours. This temple is yours. I, I, I'm in the flesh. I'm in the world. But I'm not of the world. And, and so we need to do that. And I'll say, there's times when you come into the presence of God and, and, and you're in prayer and he deals with you and maybe you're weeping and you're crying. And, and, and you know, Brother Brandon, I, I appreciated just the, word, the words you shared on your testimony the other day. And, 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 and you're doing that, but when you come out from that, I'll tell you what, the world is, you, you don't want to go maybe where you were going before you entered that presence. And I, I, I remember it years ago when we were at camp meetings at Michigan and Ann Arbor, and uh, you know, you're around believers 24-7, and and you're, 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 you're fellowshipping, and you know, you're, you're in that presence for that whole time. And then you're saying your goodbye Sunday afternoon. You're leaving, and I'm leaving, and you're just, oh, this is glorious. And now you come out into the freeways, and you're driving away. And I happen to be driving into Detroit, and Detroit's a big American city. And, you know, I'm just still living under the bliss. But the drivers that were behind me didn't know it, and they're honking their horn, and, and they're, they're you know, shaking their fist as they go by you, and I, what did I do, you know, and I wasn't going fast enough, or whatever, and, and, and all of a sudden I realized, this is not the world that I was just in. This is not the place I was just in, and, and in fact, I was two hours down the road, and, and I, I felt so downcast, you know, about where we were, and I stopped at a, a place to eat, and I just bowed my head, and I prayed, and and I looked up and I saw two brothers that were at the camp coming in. And it was like, oh, we hadn't seen each other for years. It was like, wow, somebody from another kingdom. <laughs> oh, it's real. I don't get comfortable in this world. 
Oh, hallelujah. I'm, I'm glad the Spirit of God is alive. It dwells in His people. <coughs> okay, where was I before I interrupted myself? So in, in, in verse 17, Wherefore, come out from them, be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not any unclean thing. I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. You know, and there's much we could, we could go. And let's just, just, let's just move a little further here. If I can, I want to just read from 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. This is, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead into this with a few scriptures, but I, I call this anointed kings and priests. So 1 John chapter 2. And before I read the ones I gave you, Ethan, I want to just go to verse, verse 20, if I can. Now, Paul, Paul, John had given a warning about the Antichrist and, and the different spirits that are in the world, but he says in verse 20, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Now, if I, if I can say it this way, because Satan parallels what God does in his own world. And we're living in a world where you can know all things, naturally speaking, from the tree of knowledge. And, you know, you used to have to go traveling and you'd take a map and you'd unfold the map and, and you're, you're trying to figure out where you're going. And then, you know, to go somewhere you, you, or to phone someone, you'd... you'd pick up a phone book and you'd flip through the phone book to find their number. You know, I mean, how did we ever do it? <laughs> there, there's a brother, he knows it all. <laughs> but, but, you know, now we've come into a world where everything is at your disposable with this device. And you, you want to find out where the restaurant is, you just plug it in and maps tells you how far it is, if there's any traffic delays, if it's yellow or, green or red, and you can find all of these things. It's at your disposal. You can find out where, where somebody's phone number is. You can search somebody online and find, find things. It's, it's all right there. Now, the person themselves doesn't know that, but they have access to something that tells them all of that. They're connected into a system and their device allows that. So is it with the kingdom of God. Do I remember all the scriptures? No, I don't. Do I remember all the types? No, I don't. But in the hour that I need them, I have an unction with the Holy Ghost and He brings it to my remembrance and I'm anointed with Him because I'm connected with Him. And as I'm connected with Him, it allows me, inspiration comes to me, discernment comes to me. And the more you're in that place, the more equipped you are to deal with things. It's not that we are, ourselves are something special or we have knowledge. No, there's a spirit of God that is in man. And that spirit gives you unction. That spirit is an inspiration. <coughs> I'm thankful it's that way. Now, if I go a little bit further, I won't read all of these things, but go down to verse 26. Paul says, these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. 
And he says this in verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Now, before you go out on a limb on that, you just somebody says, well, there's my scripture. I'm justified. I've got everything I need within myself. No, the Bible dovetails together. Why would God put that in there and say, you have need of teachers? Why would he say then that you have, you have, you have to have these different gifts that, that dwell in, 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 in the church? They're there for a reason. So, but it's also, if I can use the other scripture, well, it's, it's just prophets and, and apostles and evangelists and teachers. You know, and you can make it so carnal that you, you take the spiritual aspect out of it. If, if that man, if, if, if the teacher, if the, if the gift that is ministering, if there's not an element of God through him and in the receiver, and it's just a teaching, it's just a lecture, well, this is not the church of God then. This is just a lodge. This is, you, may, you can do that in any university. But it's greater than that. So don't just look at it and say, okay, that's just Brother Ed. It's not just Brother Ed. It's the Holy Ghost working through the gift, be it through Brother Max, be it through Brother John or Brother Moses, Brother Andrew. It is God. And it's also God in that tape that you listen to. I believe there's an anointing that's on those books, on those tapes. So, so now... So he says, the anointing which you've received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. In other words, the experience you had with God, that's what God's working with. When, when you pray, there, there was such an example Brother Branham gave about a man who had his car stolen. I think it was Brother Evans. They got a bunch of believers together. The believers gathered together and they started praying for the car to be returned. And while they're praying, because Brother Branham was gifted, he saw a vision and he saw a man driving and he, and he used this analogy. He said, and the man was a Christian. So they sent the Holy Spirit out to deal with that man according to the realm that he was living in. And because he was doing that, once that prayer went, it affected that man. And he said, you're doing wrong. And he began to be convicted. Yeah. Now, Brother Adam will bring the example of, you know, another man just shortly after. And, and, and there's another. He had some money that was owed him. And, and the money wasn't returned. You couldn't pray on that level. But you had to pray that, that God would do something. Be it in you. Be it in that man. And many times, whatever you have, a lost loved one or you have a situation, you need to pray for God to deal with them on the level that they're at. And if it means praying, Lord, make them so miserable that they want you. Make, you know, and whatever it may be. Or Lord, you, you warm their heart to what they had before. And allow God to minister on that way. And, and you know, sometimes we come in and we come in and say, Thus saith the Lord, you shall do this. That just drives them further away. It's a spirit application. It's not just natural. You need the spirit of God. Even those that have fallen away. Paul, Paul would say, you that are spiritual, go to him and be careful lest you be tempted. Be careful lest you, you would offend one of these ones. 
So who's doing all of this? It's the Holy Spirit. It's in him. It's in you. It's in me. It's in the one that's lost. You need to pray, Lord, move on them where they're at. I, I, I believe we can be more directed with our prayers. We can be more focused on our prayers. Lord, remember them. And that's, I do that often. But I think we can go beyond that sometimes. We can go right to an intercessory, an intercessory level. I mean, I'm not going to say it right. <laughs> intercession. It's easier for me to say right at the moment. So I believe that we can, we can be that. So what's a king and a priest? A king and a priest. So let's just take the priest because I'm focusing more on the priesthood today. A priesthood has got an anointing that intercedes between two parties. Okay? I, I won't have the time to get into Moses, but when Moses went up into the mountain and he's there with God, God speaks to Moses Tell the people such and such. Moses tells the people such and such. And he says, the people can't do such and such. Mo he says, God, this is what the people say. And, and God intercedes. And it's a dialogue back and forth. Sometimes as a head of home, you are the priest of your home. And as the priest of your home, you need to be able to look and enact things that help. And not every situation is the same. The nature of one child is different. The nature of the influence is coming into the home. I'm hardly getting to my subject, but that's okay because I, I, I want to bring a couple of things. I'm, I, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday as, as we were speaking. And we're all familiar with the quote, apply the token. Well, we think apply the token is, apply the token is, uh, well, Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that, and you must believe this, and you must. That's not applying the token. Brother Adam says, apply it with an atmosphere, in consideration. Don't just take the, 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 the natural application of that. It's a spiritual application. Now, questions and answers, 1964. Brother Branham. What achievement, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> what activities should our pre-teen children participate in? And also, how should we go about helping them select their associates? That's a good question. Sometimes you're at wit's end. Here is something that is practical for every home. Keep them in Christian company as long as you possibly can. If it's a girl, keep her with Christian girls. If it's Christian boys, vice versa. Now, he said, if it's a Christian, if it's a girl, keep her with Christian brethren. He said, no, girls. Okay? If it's a boy, with boys. Does that mean there's, there's no mixing? No, but it's not just isolated. Now, if she's old enough to go with a boy, see that she keeps with the right kind of boy. Discourage her to do otherwise. Now, there's a difference in discouraging versus laying down the law. Thou shalt not. Well, that'll probably drive them further away. Discourage them and say, you know, so-and-so, but, but you know, there's better. Look at the long picture. You use your wisdom. You, you begin to apply it. The example Brother Branham had of 
him and sister, or sister Mita with Rebecca as she was getting to be a teenager, and she wouldn't just listen to them as, as parent to child anymore. He said now Sister Mita was distraught and it had to do with going over to a friend's house and playing the wrong kind of music. Now, Brother Branham would say, and, and Sister Mita was all distraught, and, and Brother Branham got her together. He says, now, we've raised her as our daughter, but we can't apply that anymore. You need to be a friend to her now. Now, now these things don't just happen. You need the Spirit of Christ. And you need to rely on God to work in His pattern. Is this, is this all right this morning? I think it's important. Now, as we finish this quotation, discourage her to any boy otherwise, or boy to girl. If she's going with an unbeliever, try to encourage her to go with a believer, and vice versa. Now, I like this next part. I, re I really do. Uh, when, when I was in Newfoundland, I, we took a subject on one of the services on the gardener and the atmosphere. The gardener does not make things grow. The gardener only works with the atmosphere to encourage things. Now, here, here's, so here's the part I want to get to. Now, he's, he's in all part of the same quote. Make your home nice. Well, well, it is. I've got everything dusted. Everything's cleaned. That's not what we're talking about. If he would have meant make your home clean, he would have said that. He said make your home nice. Now, Make your home a place where your daughter or your son will not be ashamed to bring their company before their mother and father. Oh, my. Now, that puts a whole different light on it. Sometimes we make it so regimented that they said, well, I'm, I got to avoid this, I, whatever I do. No, you love them. You tell, you allow them to know they are loved, and they'll always be loved, and they're always welcome. And when they do that, they will bring others over, maybe even that are not message believers. Wow, what a thought, Brother Ed. Yeah, make your home nice. I, I, as we were talking about that yesterday, I, I, I was just reminded of how in our, chil we, our children, when we raised our children, and I, I give a lot of credit to my wife on this, because we, we would always encourage the neighbor's children to come over to our home. But we wouldn't send our children over because we could not control what happened in that home. We couldn't control the music. We couldn't control the language, what they were being exposed to, what the television was, all these other things. But when they came home, they, they knew, bring the friends over. You're welcome. You can play here. Now, I believe that is exercising your right as a king and a priest, saying, I'm going to do everything I can to raise them up. Why? Because God gave them to you. They're the best kids you could ever have. God gave them to you. So he says, <coughs> they'll not be ashamed. Make your home so happy, they'll be pleased in their home to stay there. Now, that can go too far. You can make your home so nice, 
and they're 30 years old, and you're saying, I, I think it's time. You know, you, you know, like, no, I, I love it that you do my laundry, Mom. I love it, you know, that you do. No, like, there's a balance here, okay? <laughs> oh, is, this, is this all right? It's good. It's good. Okay. So, you know, we, we try to create these things. So this is all under the anointing. You, you need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing teaches you all things. So I, when, when we say, I got the anointing, now it says teaches you. So in other words, it, it, it will not all come to you at once. You're not endowed with infinite wisdom. But you're going to find as you go through things, through trial and error, you, you know, you, you learn lessons, both parents and children, along the way. I don't know who is, who's worse off, a firstborn or the youngest. You know, the firstborn, it's, it's a little bit of trial and error. I've never been a parent before. Uh, you know, the youngest, well, I've learned from this and this and this, and now you better watch out. No, no, I, I think... And, and it can be the vice versa. It says, you know, well, I was too hard on this. I was too, I'll just go easy on this. No, I'll tell you what, we're, we're learning all the time as we go through. Uh, not one of us is, has got it all together. Oh, I thank God for the Spirit of God. I thank God for the message of the hour. I thank God in Laodicea, when children are running rampant, we can have our homes in order, and it doesn't have to be a military camp. I believe it can be a happy place, a nice place. Is that okay? Okay, I, I, this is just the little injection on, on, on a level. I'm, I'm going to need you to go with me a little bit uh, as I now just kind of get to the part I wanted to springboard from. Uh, let, let, me, let me go directly there. Let's go to Genesis 27. Genesis 27. So we'll read from verse 27. Now this is, this is <clears throat> picking up, and I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm trying to make it a little bit of a distinction between natural and spiritual here, because in everything, we, there's a natural part. Sometimes we, we, we can take the message purely natural, okay? This is the church, this is the building, this is with the deacon, this is our, okay, got it. It's all done, you know, and this is what I got to do. And, but we need more than that. We need, we need a spiritual application here, too. And then you can be too far on the other side. You can be, oh, it's all spiritual and there's, no, there's nothing. Well, there's a little bit of both. So we're, we're going to Genesis 27, verse 27. Now, this is when Isaac, sorry, Isaac is going to um, give a blessing to what he thinks is his eldest son. Now, this would be natural for the eldest son to inherit the blessing. But Jacob, he comes in. Now, remember, God dealt with Rebekah and told her the two sons. He spoke to her. The elder will serve the younger. And, and, and so she knew that. And along the way, there were some things that happened. There was Esau, although he was a good man. And I'll share something with you in a moment. But yet, he didn't have that something inside 
that Jacob had. Uh, he, he, he did things outwardly just nice, but on the inside, he did not have a, an attitude towards the birthright. He, he disrespected it. He didn't think that's any, ah, what, what good does that do me? And, and I'll say this, I, I think the seed of God are endowed with some things that maybe even God deals with you prior to conversion. That you just, you found you couldn't do this, you couldn't say that. And I, I don't make that a rule, but there's something inside. So now Jacob comes near to, uh, to Isaac in verse 27, and he came near and he kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son is the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Now he pronounces the blessing on Jacob. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. So this is a blessing now, he's, he's somewhat blind, he couldn't see, and he's doing this. Now, naturally, if he would have known this wasn't, he would never have given this blessing. But God allowed this to be to fulfill God's purpose. So he says, the Lord give thee the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, plenty of corn and wine. And now this is the part that, that is reserved for the elder. Let people serve thee. Let nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. The same blessing that God gave to Abraham, now Abraham's seed, Isaac, is giving to the generation to spawn them. Beyond that. So he, he gives this blessing. Now we, know, we find right after this, then Esau comes in. And he's coming to give the blessing. And in verse 35, he said, and, and, he, and Isaac says, Your brother has come with subtility, subtility and has taken away thy blessing. And then he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? So this is natural Jacob doing something. Okay? And he says, For he has supplanted me these two times. He's taken away my birthright. And now he's taken away my blessing. And he cries out, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said, Behold, I have made him your Lord. Now, Isaac knew he couldn't take away what he'd prayed. I have made him your Lord. His brethren have I given to him for servants. With corn and wine have I sustained him. What shall I do to you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Hast thou not a blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him. Now, the first part of this is exactly the same as the blessing that he gave to Jacob. Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And he says, and by thy sword shall you live. By natural means, you're going to live. And you shall serve your brother. <laughs> he couldn't change that, no matter what he tried. And it shall come to pass, when you shall have dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And so now, this, this would carry through the Old Testament. And uh, how many remember, it was a few years ago, Brother Doug Lentz came, and he took uh, Esau, which was, uh, out of which came Moab, out of which came uh, Mount Seir, and if you look at it and follow it through the Bible, 
It's always there and it's always interspersed. But yet God had determined, and, and so this is Abraham's seed, but this is now the one who was going to take, if I can t- call it, the spiritual part and impart this further. Uh, and I'll come to this now. If we, if we read this, and now I, 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 I want to just read, first of all, what Brother Branham would talk about when he, when he speaks about Esau. So he'll, he'll say this. Now, Esau, in his character, was a better man than Jacob. More of a gentleman. He loved his father, the things he'd done, but God chose Jacob. Now he says, Esau was way more of a gentleman, a Christian-type man, as we call today. He sure was. And I'm saying this because we look out in the world, and, and we, we had this battle, actually, when we had our children in school. And we were in what was called a Christian-based program, a Logos program, as they called it. And it was in the public school system. And there was people there that were denominational, that were nice people, and and, and we always had to tell our children, you are not like them, or we are not like them. I, 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 we were happy to, to have them in that company, but on the other hand, it also had its side effects. There was people who were not even Christians, and they recognized the benefit of sending their un- unregenerate homes and their home life into this program to try and help their children. So you had a mixed bag of everything. But it, but it was good. It, it didn't have Halloween. It didn't have some of the things. It had some devotional things. But we always would have to say, you're not like one of them. And, and we have to be careful in that distinction. Okay, so, so now as, as we read this, uh, sorry, as I read the quote yet, what was the difference with Jacob? So, so he says, well, let me finish here. He says, Esau was taking care of his blind old daddy. He herded cattle. He went out hunting, got some deers, fed his old daddy. Jacob was just a little old fellow that laid around the home kind of lazy. And yet this was God's choice. What was the difference with Jacob? Jacob had recompense to God, the birthright, a perfect type today. You say, here's a good man. He goes to church. He goes every Sunday. He's a good payer in the church. He belongs to the best church. He educates his children. That's very fine. That's a good citizen, but brother, that has nothing to do with Christianity. Now, I I am speaking a little bit, um, if I can. We are a product of the environment we live in. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we try to deal with the symptoms of the environment when, when we need to be in the right environment. So it's what I said earlier about the clouds. You know, it's the summer clouds. It's not the heavy, dark clouds anymore. So you're in a season where you're going to be less apt to see snow, which caused a hearty amen in our church this morning. And there was probably many that said the same thing. Now, if you go further into the season, it's better. So you expect sunny days. You expect warmth because it's a part of the season. It's a part of the, the product and the environment that you live in. And, and it comes out that way. But, but it also goes in, into a different realm, if I can say. <coughs> if, if you have influences in your life, let's say you have friends that are questionable and they're influencing you, it may be harder to break through 
if that's where you were Saturday night, and now you come to Sunday morning and you're facing God, it may be harder to break through because of those influences. But now if the Saturday night you have gone to bed, you've taken some time, Sunday morning comes, you'll be able to enter into the service much quicker. Okay? Now, now I, I'm, I'm going to go a little further and I'm going to say it this way. So it's not about sometimes the individual symptom that we look at. And, and you can deal with the symptoms. Okay, he, he kind of used a, a curse word. Well, where did that come from? That came from the environment. Uh, you know, about, about someone. Or you can say they're, they're apt to, to go off, uh, off color with some of their jokes. It's a product of where you're living. When he, the Holy Ghost, will come, when you're anointed with that, it guards your tongue. It, it, it stops you. You don't even know it sometimes, but it stops you from going into something. Now, it's the same thing. When we're here this morning, we're, we're not just subjecting ourselves to this church building, to a minister. We're subjecting ourselves to the Word of God for this age. And so, how we conduct ourselves, the attitude we belie, and, and I'm, I'm going I, I to be flat with this a little bit here. Sometimes I hear people, and I heard it when Brother Harold was here, oh, well, Harold just did this. To me, just saying Harold belies that it's not a real full respect. And so, and it also is, and so the issue may not be what comes out, but the issue is, I haven't submitted myself to what God is doing locally. And some people will submit themselves to what God is doing afar off, but not locally. And, and they'll, they'll have lots of friends everywhere else, but not locally. And I, I'm just going to be honest. Let's call it what it is. And so, if, if you have given yourself, now, here's the scriptural basis, and Brother Branham would take it out of the message respects. He would say, as Elijah, or Elisha rather, was walking down the road, a bunch of kids started saying, go thy way, O bald head. Now it was not the children that actually made the situation. It was the home life of those children and what was talked about at the dinner table and the attitude that was given forth. That's what brought forth the curse on them. Now, I, I'm going to give two sides to it. Vice versa, if there's issue one time and, and, and there's respect in the home, and, and there's a situation and prayers needed. Oh, let's call, let's call the minister. Let's call so-and-so. And I'll tell you what, immediately God can move. Because you've submitted yourself to the condition that's required. Vice versa, you can be, you know, and, and Brother Branham would say, there's always natural and there's always spiritual. So in any group, there is believers, there is make-believers, and there's unbelievers but the spirit of unbelief always persecutes the spirit of God. So sometimes it, it can raise up even amongst youth. And somebody who is not fully under subjection can 
make a, an offhand remark about somebody who's giving themselves to God. Oh. He's always worshiping that way. Oh, and, and you make fun of it. Be careful. And I would say, you're better to keep quiet than you are to say something. And, and I'm saying this, if you can't respect a person, respect the office that they hold, or respect that they're in church. And maybe, and, and, and you know, by the same token, you don't just go slamming somebody that does that, but you teach them, okay, Listen, you might not understand how they react when the Holy Ghost comes on them, but give respect to it. And don't make fun of it. And don't mock it, because that sets you down a wrong course. So I'm, I'm saying this, and we need to all have grace with one another. And if somebody's not there, don't just go off on the rails with them. Let's bring everybody up. Let's come higher. Let's bring everybody into one atmosphere, forbearing one another and, and helping one another and helping those in our home and in our assembly that are not there yet. Make an atmosphere that they can grow. Teach them respect. Teach, them, teach this, these things. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going into some things that may be personal, but that's what we need to do. I believe that's what we need. And, and if, I, I'm being very polite today. And, I, and I'm just saying that nicely. And, I, and I'm, I have to be who I am. But on the other hand, I also need to say things for what they are. So, now, <coughs> Jacob was the nicer, the nicer guy. So, he, he was the one who did his, uh, sorry, Esau was the one that had, was the nicer guy. And uh, I, I appreciate that some of you look at me with quizzical looks, then I think, okay, what did I say? The other day when we had the ministers here and I was handing the mic to everybody, and then after I took it back, I started speaking, and, and I was doing that a few times, and I caught myself, and I said, well, I don't need to do that, actually. I can just put this down because I got this. And uh, then I had a, somebody who was very nice and polite says, P.S., you don't need to have two mics. <laughs> especially if you sing okay anyway they didn't say that I said that okay it's good good to be true okay now I, I'm, I'm saying all of this because there's a spirit world that's around us okay and in that spirit world and, and, and I'm, I'm not going to go into this fully today but there is as the Bible called the seven spirits that went out from God uh, in that spirit world there is cherubims and there are four anointings and they were identified with different things and they, they're, they're always there but at a time and a season God brings them into play and, and you want to work with what God is working with so I, I'm, I'm saying this there is the spirit of God in its many forms that it's working but there is also the spirit of the devil which is the spirit of antichrist and it's also there so we can't just look at things naturally so I'm saying, if it was up to Isaac, he would have blessed Esau, but God had him go beyond that, and he also endowed him with the ability to recognize, I didn't do this, God did this. And I'll accept what God did, even though it's contrary to my thinking. You say, what, how, how does that play into it, Brother Edwell? It's the same way 
Samuel, a prophet, a man who is with God all the time, and he's told of God, go to the house of Jesse and anoint the next king. So as he's going, he's saying, oh, here's the eldest, and God says to him, that's not the one. Oh, that was the one I thought. And then he keeps going down the line, and he realizes out of all these sons, there, there's, there's not one, even though he would have picked one by himself. And he said, isn't there one more? Oh, there's one more. He's in the field. His name's David. Well, that was God's choice. Now, so we want to see what is God doing, not just what we see. And, and, and all the prophets, they were a part of God, but they were not the fullness of God. And so we are continually looking for God to fulfill his word. So this actually happened as well when Jacob, so it happened to Isaac, but it actually happened to Jacob years down the road when, when Joseph was in Egypt and, and, and he was there and then, and then he revealed himself to his brethren and Jacob is coming back and now Jacob is going to anoint Joseph's two sons and there's, the, there's Manasseh and there's Ephraim and, jo- and now he's going to anoint them and as he anoints them and he lays his hands, he does this because the right hand was the anointing. That would go to the old elder one. And, and Joseph sees it. Joseph, a type of Christ. And he says, but he wasn't the full type of Christ. And, and Joseph, he sees it. And he says, don't do that, Father. And he says, I can't help it. God crossed my hands. So we, we are not just looking at things naturally. We are looking at things spiritually. So, so as, and I say this as I just move into this next thing. So once... Isaac blessed uh, Jacob. He couldn't take that back. And it also, you know, Jacob or Esau had already started to, as Lot did, pitch his tent towards Sodom. Esau began to go and look at the women of the Canaanites. So, so he didn't have the same reverence to what had gone before him. So now let, if we, we take the Bible and just go to, uh, in, in Genesis 27, let's just read in verse 46. And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. In other words, the ones that Esau joined himself to. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Now in chapter 28, verse 1. Now, Isaac, now he knows what happened. He hears what Rebekah's saying. He can't take it back, but now he's on board with what God's doing. And he says, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. So with the blessing comes responsibility. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethel, thy thy mother's father, and take thee a wife thence of the daughters of Laban, thy, thy mother's brother, and God Almighty bless thee. Now he's reaffirming. And God Almighty will bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee and thou, that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave to Abraham." So he, he is now going through this. Now, he sends 
Jacob away because Esau has sworn to kill him and, and, and such. Now, Jacob is down his road. He has, he's, he's gotten the birthright. He's gotten the blessing. But he's on his way, but he's scared. He's running. Okay? Verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he lighted on a certain place. He tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and he laid them for his pillows and he laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and on top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God ascending and descending of it. So his head is on a stone and he has a dream and he's now it's connecting heaven and earth together. Okay, and he says in verse 13, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father. Now, it's not just what God spoke to Rebekah. It's not just what Isaac blessed him with, but God is reaffirming it to him directly. And he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep you in all the places wherever thou, go, wherever thou goest, and will bring thee again to this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. So I want you to just look at this dream for a moment. <coughs> so God reaffirms, and now from a heavenly realm to him. And he tells him, wherever you go, this is almost, you read Genesis 12, it's almost the same. Wherever you go, I'm with you. I'll take care of you. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do all of these things. He's, he's telling him, God is making a commitment from heaven down to earth to the seed of Abraham. Now, look at the response of Jacob here. And, and I, I, I want you to listen. I'm not just, this is kind of the whole crux of where I'm coming here. And Jacob awakened out of, his sleep, out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid. He said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. Now he's recognizing, and he says, The house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So he's putting two things together. He's saying, this is the house of God on earth, and this is the gate to heaven. He's, he's recognizing it's, it's something greater than, than now it's no mother, no father, no brother. It's just him and God. And Jacob rose up early in the morning. Now remember the text we read in 2 Peter. Christ is the stone, and you are also lively stones. And he took the stone that he had for his pillows and he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil upon the top of it. Now, this is the first place in the whole Bible that you would, you would characterize the phrase anointing. He anointed something. So something on earth is setting aside what God did right at that place. And and. and and, and Jacob is consecrating 
that place. It's a stone, it's oil, it's an anointing. And now look at his words. Because now he's, he's making an identification and a consecration. Nobody told him. There was, no, there was no handbook how to do this. But this is now God coming to this vessel. And he called the name of that place Bethel. The house of God's bread. And what did Peter say? You are God's house. And he says now, but the name of the city was called Lutz at, for, uh, at first. And Jacob vowed a vow and said, if God be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I may come to my father's house, so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house and all that thou shalt give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now, now just go back for a moment and I, I want to just to catch you. So give the tenth. Well, that's exactly what his father Abraham did. And Jacob is saying, he's identifying himself now by works. Not just by historical reference, but now this time and place. So, First of all, he's, he's got the birthright, he's got the blessing, but now there's an anointing that's coming on him. Okay, now the anointing is for what? To fulfill the purpose that God has ordained for him. So number one, he consecrates himself. Number two is a purpose. Number three, he said, there will be an end. I will come back here again. And, I, and, and there's an anointing. So Bethel is the place. The anointing is, is the thing. And that anointing went everywhere with him. Now he walked out of the land he was supposed to go on, but the anointing remained. The anointing was upon him. He was predestinated by God to fulfill a certain purpose. <coughs> anointing is for service. Anointing is for purpose. Anointing is something that, 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 that needs to, to be made known and, and, you, and you're distinguishing it. So where are we at? Okay, let me, let me take a few scriptures quickly. Ex Exodus 29. Exodus 29. This will give you, as we move into it, I'm taking the very first part, but now I'm taking it to the thought of the priesthood a little bit. Exodus 29, we'll pick this up in verse 7. Sorry, I'm reading Genesis 29, it's Exodus 29. So it says, <clears throat> now here Moses is talking about the dedication of the priesthood. Verse 7. You shall then take, after they have all their garments, everything is all together, the, the, the tabernacle, everything. Now you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head and anoint him, and you shall bring his sons and put coats upon them, and you shall gird them with girdles, Aaron and his sons, and put bonnets on them, and the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statue, and you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons, and you shall cause a bullock to be brought before the tabernacle of the congregation, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bullock. And so we'll stop there. I've gone a little further. So there's an anointing. Now the priest was one that was set aside... And I'm not going to go into everything. I, I could 
do this, but he's set aside and he's given an anointing for service. Now, you go drop down to verse 35. <laughs> and he says, And thus shall you do to, unto Aaron and to his sons, according to the things, all things that I've commanded thee, seven days you shall consecrate them, and you shall offer every day a bullock for a sin offering for an atonement. You shall cleanse the altar when thou hast made an atonement for it, and thou shalt anoint it to sanctify it. So there's an anointing actually that was sprinkled on the tabernacle, on the vessels, but it was also on the priests. Seven days shalt thou make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and whosoever, and it shall be an altar most holy. Whosoever toucheth the altar shall be holy. And, and he, he, he just goes into it. And in verse 42, just drop down to there. This shall be a continual burnt offering through your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto thee. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory, and I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God, and they shall know I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell with them. I am the Lord their God. <coughs> now, <clears throat> we, we take all of this, and, 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 and if I can, my, I, I feel like I'm, okay, I'll, I'll just try and be brief with a couple of these comments. Brother Branham would, would, would talk and, and he, would, he would say, this is in, let me, let me read this one first. He, he's talking about David. And he, and he says, now David, every, now he says, every David sitting here tonight, you're positionally in Christ. God has confirmed it. There's an election. There's a calling. There's an anointing. And there's a placing. He elected you and he called you. He elected and called you. Then he anointed you with the Holy Spirit. And now he's placed you in the body of Christ. Each one of these are David's. Now, he's talking about the adoption. This is in the great warrior David. He was adopted into a family. His name on the check was as good as his daddy's. And he says, and what God had done, the reason we see these things we see the promises of God. We see it in the word of God. God has begun, in my humble opinion, to adopting his sons. He's positionally placing them one to one side, giving them a certain ministry, anointing them for that purpose, and sending them out. Watch what happens. So, so this, is, this is God's program. He elects, he calls, and he anoints. <coughs> Now, I, I need to read one more, and this will be in Exodus 30 and, and verse 22. I won't read all of this because there's more here than I, I can. But if you wanted to read from 22 to 33, and I, I'm making a distinction here, but we'll just start from, from in, in verse, he talks about how you make the oil. I'll summarize this from verses 22 to 25, this oil is made like 
of so much of this, so much of this, so much of this, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. And you anoint the tabernacle of the congregation. Then he talks about the, ta- the table, the candlestick, the vessels. You'll sanctify all of these things. Verse 30. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt speak to the children of Israel. This shall be a holy anointing oil unto me through your generations. Now he's saying there's specifics on how he's doing with, what he's dealing with. In verse 32, upon man's flesh it shall not be poured, neither shall you make anything like it after the composition of it. It is holy, it shall be holy to you. Whosoever compoundeth anything like it or puts it on a stranger, they'll be cut off. So this oil was an anointing reserved for people. Now, uh, this will be part of the service next Sunday, but he, he, he would, if I can make this distinction, say, There is an anointing that's falling on the earth today. It falls on all flesh. And so it causes all people to do certain things. But there's an anointing that's reserved for the people of God. There's an anointing reserved for the bride. And it's not an anointing that falls on the flesh or it falls on the spirit realm. But it falls on the soul to cause you to fulfill the word of God. You're not just there. The anointing is not just so I can shout and dance and do all those things. That's wonderful. That's the blessings of God. But the anointing is what causes you when you're walking down the street and you see something and it turns your head. And, and, and when you're in conversation, it causes you to be circumspect about how you talk and about how you conduct yourself. The anointing causes you to do things just like Jacob. Jacob where he desired the birthright. Desired more of God. And he knew that the word that was given to me, and, and I won't get into all of Jacob today, but he, that, that which God placed on him, it caused him to do certain things. So the anointing, I, I'm going to read, read what Brother Branham says. Let, this is power of transformation. Let the Holy Spirit come upon a person that truly has something on the inside. The genuine spirit anointing the genuine seed, it can't do nothing but bear a son or daughter of God. I I will say it as Brother Branham would say it in the falling part of the world. Hitler had an anointing. He said Khrushchev had an anointing. The Pope has an anointing. I will say the leaders of the world have an anointing. And they are doing Doing, they don't even realize what they're doing. They're doing it to fulfill the word of God. All the leaders of the world, they're anointed to go the way they're going. But there is also a religious, because what's coming together under the gray horse ride is political powers, it is demon powers, and it is, it, it is religious powers. So there's also an anointing on the religious realm and there was an anointing that was on even Esau that he could be a good man and do good works, but he had no trouble going and marrying any old wife. He had no trouble giving up something. 
I will say, that's not the anointing the bride is under. The bride is under an anointing. Say, this is holy. I am here for God. The things that I've been given, they're in my charge. They're in my place. I am I'm here for God. Now, in, in this, Brother Branham will also say, and, and I, if I can just say this, this is a product of the atmosphere we live in. If you're not in prayer, if you're not in the word, if you're not in, in a place where you're walking with God, it's easy for you to be drifting into something else. It's easy for corrupt communication to come out of your mouth. It's easy for you to not be able to discern the right thing. But if you are in the word and you are giving yourself and, and you are allowing God to speak to you, there's things that come out and you don't even know why. And, it, and you say, I, I don't know, I can't go that way. I got to go this way, even though you don't understand it up here. That anointing is what we need to give ourselves to. That anointing is what the priesthood of this day is under. It's to fulfill all the word of God. We've heard a lot in the last few services about the final runners and the baton is being cast. And as Brother Max so aptly spoke to the young people, the work is not over. The anointing that, that was on Brother Branham, it actually carries on. It carries on to another group of ministers. And not just ministers, but people who believe. And it carries on until the purpose of God is finished. <coughs> Numbers 27. If I just go to this quickly. Numbers 27. I'm just re referring back to Revelations 5. Revelations 5, it wasn't just the seventh angel anymore, but it was the people that were under the, the opening of the seals. They began to recognize who they are. They began to recognize who God was. Now, here, here's, here's Moses, and he's speaking unto the children of Israel. Numbers 27, verse 16. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, which may go in before them, which may lead them out, which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. So Moses is saying, the work that started, God started with me. It's not done yet. It's going to carry on over to Joshua. And he says now, before all the congregation, in verse 20, and you shall put some of my honor, thine honor, upon him, that the children, the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. Now, that, that, that shows that God's still moving. That shows that, that the anointing still carries on. If, if I can say it in, 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 in terms as this, when the Hebrew mothers gave birth to their children and they would groan the name 
And Brother Bram said their name was positionally their place in the promised land. Now, I think it's in, in the message, uh, The Voice of God in These Last Days. And, and it's in that message. And, and, and Brother Bram said, so that inspiration that was on the Hebrew mothers years down the road, and it was Moses who gave them their place, but it was Joshua who was anointed to bring them into their place. So the anointing carried on down. The anointing did not stop at the Hebrew mothers. It didn't stop at Moses. It didn't stop at Brother Branham, if I can inject that. It, it, it doesn't stop until they get into their place. So that, that you, you, if you want to, just somewhere between now and next Sunday, if you want to read the two places where the, the tribes of Israel are blessed, I think it's in... In uh, Genesis chapter 49, you see Moses blessing the 12 tribes of Israel, but he speaks in very much a natural way. He says, Reuben, you're unstable as water. You're the firstborn, but you defiled the bed. Wow, what a blessing. <laughs> Are you glad that God has not blessed you according to your natural man? But then... You know, and, and you can, you, you read, so read Genesis 49, but then go over to Deuteronomy chapter 33. We've been reading from chapter 32, but now 33 is now where Moses blesses the tribes of Israel. And now he doesn't look at Reuben the same way. Now in, 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 when Jacob looked at Levi, he said, you're cruel. But now Moses looks at him and he sees through the eye of God, through the anointing of God. And he says, this is your inheritance. It's not just natural, it's spiritual. And I am so glad that God doesn't just look at us naturally. Are you here with me today? You know, as you look at, I was with Brother Tim and Brother Timothy. And, uh, you know, naturally speaking, you know, you're with them and you get an idea of who they are naturally. It's one thing to stream them and look at them. But you know what? They're just people like us. They got their little things that they like and don't like. You know, I, I, you know, I, I got the, we got them a room, gave them a few snacks, and, I, you know, and, and then, you know, uh, you know what, do you, what do you want? Well, water and, and Coke Zero. You know, that, that'll be it. And so I thought, okay, well, I, I don't, that's fine. They're natural people. And you, and you can't take the natural type and say that's what we have to be. There's a spiritual type that only God can reveal to you. And, and, and only God can make it real. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm winding my thought down here, and I, I won't read all the scriptures. I had another one here, but when the priest went in, when he was anointed, so the tabernacle was right, the laver was right, everything was right, everything was anointed, the priest was anointed, and, and he may have come in and said, I'm of the tribe of Levi, I'm one of Aaron's sons, I'm, I'm such and such, and, and that naturally speaking, would be good for him to say, I have a right to be here. And I have a right to go in. But to go in now into the tabernacle, he could not lean on his natural part. He had to actually, his trust was, not in himself, not in how he felt that morning, but his trust was, I've got the garments. I've, I've, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right lineage. I'm God's, and I've got the anointing. But there actually had to be something else. He had to walk a certain way. 
And he had to walk a certain way so that his garments would have a certain jingle. And if they didn't have the right walk, it would mean death. So it, but what gave him confidence? It, the anointing gave him confidence. That which he had prepared himself gave him confidence. And he said, now I can go into the presence of God. So it's not our association naturally. It's not that I'm out of such and such a family and my father's a deacon or my father's a minister. It's the anointing that comes from the throne of God that gives us right to come before the throne. And we are anointed. Friends, there's no other people on the face of the earth. I just heard a testimony here of... You know, we as a bride, yeah, we intercede for one another. But I think it goes beyond that. It, it was that way in Brother Branham's time. And Brother Branham, he said, he saw a car wreck on the way to a service. And he said, just was praying for that woman. Came to find out God revealed to him. And, and his prayer changed the whole situation. Sometimes you come across something, you're a priest. You can make a difference in somebody's life. You're, we're we're going to reign on the earth. What are we going to reign over? One another? No, we're going to reign over those that don't have the position we have now. There'll be people that will be in the city. There'll be people that are outside the city. But we are kings and priests. We've been called to a high calling. I say, I want to walk in that calling. If God ordained me, I, listen, if, if God hasn't ordained someone to it, you know, you can try all you want and you'll never make it. But if you've been ordained to it, give yourself to it. Don't allow yourself just to be haphazard in your walk. Say, Lord, I, 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 if I can pray, I, I want to know that you're hearing my prayer. I, I, I don't want to be thinking, okay, I, I, I was speeding this morning. I talked badly to my wife. I, I, I listened to some wrong words, and I feel filthy and clean. And I, You don't want that all over your head when you have to pray for someone. You say, does that matter? Yeah, it does. It mattered to Brother Branham. He could not pray for a child after he had told his wife what we would call a half lie. Let's be true. Let's be honest. Let's be real Christians. The anointing that we're under. I'll just conclude with this quote and then we, musicians, you can come already, if you will, please. Brother Branham would say, doing God a service without doing his will. We are coming closer to a razor edge between right and wrong. Remember, it'll fall on one or the other side. It's, it's got to be every word. Not just almost every word, but every word. The Antichrist anointing is so perfectly, it would deceive the elect. The very elected. They'll fall on the wrong side if they don't watch it. Watch it. Be careful. And, and because he's coming out of the Pentecost, we're not living in a Pentecostal age. We've passed that age. So it's not just, well, they're there, they're, they're churches, they're anointed, they're, they are anointed, but they're not anointed as we are. We are we're under a different anointing. I, I would just, if I, if I conclude with this one, one thing, and this is just what I made reference to earlier, it's about the token. It, there's a natural part. You don't, you don't have things in your home. You get them out. You clean out the trash, as Brother Vanham would say. But here's, here's the other part. You can just play something softly, if you will. Apply it. Create the right, create that atmosphere around you. 
they will just drop right into it. There you are. If you've got the token, create a spirit around you of power that when you walk, people know that you're a Christian. They love for you to say something to them. Brother Mark, I think you and I were talking, and, and you, you meet different brothers. And it's about this man and talking at the time of COVID, talking about the Catholic Church and, and some of the things. And, and he had questions. And he said, I wanted to ask you, why would he want to ask Brother Mark? Because there's something around Brother Mark. Why would people, when people are, when people are, are, are have a need in prayer, why do they come to you? Because there's something around you. I, I, I wasn't serving God as a young man. I, I, I was far from it. But I knew if I had a test that day, I would, before I left the house, I made sure to tell my mom. I said, Mom, I've got a test today. And she would answer, I'll be praying for you. I'll tell you, there is something. She has a place with God. And I said, I'm glad that I can step into that place. Friends, we are that place. For much of the world, we are that place. Fathers, mothers, for your home, you are that place. For those that are lost, you are that place. Those that are backslidden, you are that place. Just keep living your life. Keep the token before you. And he says, they believe your word. What you say, they hold on to it. Apply the token, then walk with it. Claim your household. You must do it now. This is the evening time. You've been listening a long time now. This is the evening time. It's applying time. The wrath will strike one of these days. It may be too late then. Apply the token with confidence. Apply it as the priest did. Your confidence isn't that I'm more spiritual, that I'm any better, but I've watched what God's doing with me. I'm, I'm not like others. He's separated me. He's brought me into a place. Whatever that purpose is, I want to fulfill it. I want to be what he wants me to be. Let's stand together this morning. What are you playing? Okay. <coughs> this is your house. Father, come and dwell. This is your